You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. I am joined by Jack Wright. I feel like I haven't seen your face in a long time, even though we work together. But on this podcast, you know what I mean? How are you, buddy? It's great to be back. I've got my voice back. I've got my boys back. We've got a Bears win. There's things to celebrate and some things not to celebrate. If you want to follow Jack on Twitter, you can get him at Bear Down Jack. Patrick Sheldon, you can read him on DeWindy City as part of the Fan Side and Network, or you can find him on Twitter at P underscore Shells. Shells, how are you doing this week, buddy? All things considered, not doing too bad, Dangle. Thanks. How about yourself? You know what? I'm I'm just I'm loving this. I love talking to you guys. Our our football team is, I think, a hot dumpster fire, but uh, but. I love talking with you boys. And of course, that assistant editor of Bears Wire, Brendan Shagru. You can get him at Brendan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Brendan, how are you, buddy? Tired again. I've had two bachelor parties in a month and the body just can't take it, man. I mean, just all day drinking. I'm good today. I'm just, you know, like no, no hangover, just fatigued, you know, and of all places, Milwaukee. I like, oh. I like Milwaukee as a town, but just too many Packer ads and trying to haul ass back into Illinois for the Bears game is, uh, is quite the chore sometimes. Hey, Bears fans, uh, looking for a nice, clean cut? If you are, uh, check out Sheridan's Barbershop. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 68 years with now seven barbers open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They've got appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. Visit Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or call 630-668-0137 and book your appointment today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. Boys, I know we all have a lot of thoughts, and I want to hop into those as soon as possible. But before we do, let's get to Brendan's breakdown, hear how the game went, give us all a chance to collect our thoughts, and we'll go from there. All right? So, Brendan, let's hear it, baby. The Bears return home to Soldier Field on Sunday and welcome the Houston Texans to town, including old friend Lovey Smith. And as a show of good faith to honor Lovey, the Bears offense harken back to the mid-2000s with a bona fide rushing attack and quarterback play that will have people saying, Justin is our quarterback. It was the Bears who got things going early, thanks to a dose of Khalil, oh boy, Herberto. He turned the Texans into beef jerky by scoring the first of his two touchdowns of the game to give the Bears a 10-0 lead. But Davis Bushmills showed he's more than just a tall glass of whiskey. He dialed up a pass to Jordan. My back is aching for the touchdown to cut the deficit to 10-7. Then Damian Pierce Brosnan had a golden eye for the end zone, diving in for the score to make it 14-10. Are the Bears really going to lose to the Texans? Huh? In the words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. 
Despite Justin Fields looking like Brutus the Buckeye in the pocket, Herbert continued to dominate, and the two teams were tied at 20. But before the Texans could mount the winning drive, Roquan Smith flew in like Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon to snag an interception to save the day. You're all clear, Cairo. Now let's kick this thing and go home. The Bears won 23-20 on a field goal and improved to 2-1 on the year. I, I myself love the Star Wars reference that probably went over Jack Wright and Patrick Sheldon's head, but I thought it was spectacular. Bravo, Brendan. Thank you. I, I could explain the end of A New Hope for you guys if you need to, but just take my word for it. it I think it worked. <laughs> Is Pierce Bronson the worst of the 007s? Ooh, I don't think so. Okay. I actually have a, I have a soft spot in my heart for Pierce Brosnan because that's when I started really getting into the 007 movie. So I just, I don't know. I, I got a soft spot for him. Fair enough. All right. So gentlemen, I, I want to ask this question. I want to ask a question of all of you, but I, I want to first ask this one to Patrick Sheldon right out of the gates. Patrick, you and I have disagreed on this coaching staff a lot from, from the get-go. I mean, you're, you're the one that, that picked them to, to be the coaching staff. Do you still have faith and trust in this coaching staff uh, going forward? Yeah, it's a tough question um, because there are so many things to like about this coaching staff. Uh, you know, we, we texted about it a little bit today. Their team is prepared. Their team is disciplined. Their team gives maximum effort every week. Their team's competitive every week. Their team's in the game every week. They seem like they're fundamentally sound. Um, they're coached well with the exception of the most important position on the team and perhaps in all professional sports, the quarterback. Uh, I, I have said uh, recently that how they have handled fields the first couple of weeks has been a little bit concerning. And I was chalking week one up to the monsoon week two. We talked about maybe it was just the flow of the game and they just leaned on the run because it was working, but let's give it some time. But I also said um, if they start to show again through their play calling and through their actions, a lack of faith in fields, then I was going to start to get concerned. And I think I'm reaching that point now. Um, you know, once is a, is a blip two maybe is an aberration. You can excuse it three in a row is a trend or a pattern. In my opinion, I do not like the way this staff is, is calling the game for fields. I don't like their approach. Um, it tells me that they don't have faith or confidence in him at this point. Uh, I don't know that there's another explanation for their play calling, right? It's either they don't trust him or they're incompetent play callers. I don't think they're that incompetent. Um, so I'm leaning towards perhaps they don't trust fields at this moment. And all the things that I dismissed in the past in isolation, I think were defendable. When you looked at the offseason moves in a vacuum, you could explain it. When you looked at, um, you know, some of the rumors that came out that maybe this, this administration didn't trust fields. There were, there were ways to justify that, but their actions are speaking louder than their words at this point to me. And I'm really getting concerned that they may not think fields is the guy. And I, and I hope I'm wrong. Cause I still do think fields is the guy. And I still think there's just so much talent there, but I, I just question how they're handling that position, which is tough for me because I like everything else they're doing with respect to building this team and this roster. Now, Jack and Brendan, I want to throw you guys in on this. Are we trying to justify this terrible quarterback play because we're bears fans, because we've only known craptacular quarterbacks throughout our time here as bears fans, or are, are we trying to be patient because we know how good Justin Fields was in college? Like, 
where, where do you guys kind of stand on this? It's tough. I think one of the things I thought a lot about is as humans, we're able to hold two thoughts in our hands at the same time, and they can both be true. Larger macroscopically, I'm still on board with the long-term plan, with the draft picks, with um, trying to get the cap room. I'm still on board with the staff for the most part. It's a small sample size. You still get to be pissed when your quarterback plays like shit. You just do. And especially Bears fans, because we've watched so much shitty quarterback play. That doesn't mean that I don't think he still has the potential to be a great quarterback. That doesn't mean that I'm I'm all of a sudden just going, oh, Justin Fields is a bust. He still needs time. He still, I think, has the skills to be a great quarterback. But I'm just still, I'm just tired of watching crappy offense. And I think you all are too. I'm not sure if I answered your Original question, though, Ryan. What was the original question? Well, I, I think you, I think you have, Jack. It's just okay. uh, you're, you're, you're frustrated by the. You are frustrated by this. We are frustrated by this. Uh, it, it's tough to watch. Justin Fields is struggling, and and some of the things that I'm reading on Twitter of people defending every single thing that he does, people that I really respect, I, I don't understand. Those two interceptions were freaking brutal. Just awful bad and if if that dude had another name on the back of his jersey that used to play quarterback for here we we would have flayed him i mean and i just i don't understand what we're doing here yeah if he was like a third or fourth round pick or something like that uh, people would not have the patience it's it's kind of that that super stardom potential that we saw during the draft and then realizing what happened last year with matt Nagy, seeing that he didn't have much of an offensive game plan and now New new staff comes in, new scheme comes in. We're talking about Luke Getze, somebody who's worked with Aaron Rodgers and a successful Packers team for the better part of a decade. And we were essentially sold that this everything was going to be fixed, or at least things were going to be on the road to getting fixed. And what I've seen is regression. I've seen regression from last year even. I mean, go watch some of his plays from his rookie year where we thought he was just put in a bad situation. He does not look comfortable. He looks slow with his processing. There's no urgency. It's a few things I saw in the first preseason game that I talked to you guys a little bit about. And I saw those things go away as the preseason continued, thinking like, okay, we're continuing to progress. But now all of that's gone. And you've seen things get worse and worse, even though he had a better stat line, I guess, from yards wise, maybe. No, not even completion percentage. Um, Things, yeah, things have definitely gone downhill from Green Bay. Um, so I, I think from a fan standpoint, yeah, we we do try to talk ourselves into it because of the fact we don't want to get hurt again. We are so worried about starting over, and it's so it's easy to say, well, we can draft somebody new and do this whole thing over again. And we've done that for so many years now. I mean, Mitch was only five years ago, and we're talking about our second quarterback, and now some people are potentially looking forward to the 2023 quarterback class. So I think it is as fans, it's natural to want to defend your guy to think that you see the stardom potential and you haven't seen it yet. And um, I, I think Jack and shells nailed it perfectly. Yeah, like we, we can still believe in the process. I'm not going to give any final judgments even close until the fine end of the year when we see a full season and see things, how things progress, but they haven't progressed. They've regressed in that time. That's the thing that I'm, been trying to articulate is that you know when we make comparisons to guys uh like josh allen or jalen hurts 
you know, they weren't really good to start off, uh, but they've progressed and they've gotten better as time has gone on. They were not this bad. Justin Fields quarterback rating so far this season is a 50, 5-0. That, that, two touchdowns to four interceptions. Again, the two interceptions today were just just awful. And I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to be objective about this. I'm trying to, you know, put bears fandom aside and, and try to think if we were watching another franchise, does anyone else have the patience that we have? Because we've had such bad quarterbacking for so long. Am I making sense here, boys? Yeah, but I think yeah. you have to have patience here and I get it. And I'm incredibly frustrated too, but he's what game 15 into his career and he's already on his second staff. Um, this is, this is going to take time. So Brendan, you, you're right. Like anybody making definitive or drawing definitive conclusions about Justin Fields at this point, I think, I think it's wrong. Um, <laughs> we gave Mitch a long, long time uh, before we, we came to a conclusion that he wasn't it. Um, 15 games with two head coaches when he was admittedly in a bad position last year, isn't enough. So I think we just need to, we need to give it this season. If we don't see improvement over the course of the season, then like I said, last show, I'll be the first one to smash the panic button, but, um, I'm not going to do that until he's given, in my opinion, an honest, uh, shake here. And the last thing I'll say about it is, um, a lot of folks I think are, hanging their hat on the lack of weapons or the, or the, the, the fact that they didn't go out and get free agents in the, in the off season. The part that's concerning me is that there are plays to be made in the field, despite the lack of weapons, if, if they weren't getting open or they were dropping passes or there were clearly like egregiously missed blocks, then, okay, that, that argument would, would hold water, but there are plays in the field. He's just missing. And I don't know if he's being asked to do too much. If the concepts are too difficult, if they're not putting him in the best position, they can't, he can't get into a rhythm because they're throwing, you know, so infrequently, but when you're down one score and it's third and six and you run the ball um, with a second year quarterback, that's something that I don't even know John Fox would have done with Mitch uh, in his first year. And it was just, it, it spoke volumes to me, right? Like, I get what they're saying at the press conference, but what they're doing speaks way louder than what they're saying at, at their press conferences. I don't know that Mitch looked this bad after 15 games. I know he didn't look great in his first season. I was seven touchdowns to seven interceptions, but he didn't look historically bad. I mean, this is Patrick Sheldon. Like if I, if I just showed you a stat line and I didn't show numbers, Davis Mills, this game versus Justin Fields, I said one of these guys was a first round draft pick who struggled a little bit. And then the other guy was an undrafted free agent. I mean, that that's a slam dunk. Everybody knows the Justin Fields numbers are the one that's that's an undrafted free agent. And and Davis Mills looks like a young quarterback, a yuck, a young second year quarterback that is developing into an offense with you know limited weapons. I I, I want, I want, last thing, I want to believe in Justin Fields. My daughter was born and I'm wearing a Justin Fields t-shirt. I want to support this kid, but he's making it really freaking hard because he's playing like garbage. There's something not right here. Like he did not look this bad last year under Matt Nagy's crappy offense. Something, there's something else going on and I don't know what it is. Like I said, I don't know if the concepts are too difficult. They're asking him to do too much. If they're not putting him in, in simple situations and simple reads. Um, 
if he there, he, maybe he's biting off, they're biting off collectively as a staff more than he can chew at the moment. But when you go from looking somewhat competent in an Aggie offense to looking this lost in this current offense, there's one variable that changed. And, and so that leads me to believe that there's something going on with how they're calling this game or how they're scheming things for him or what they're asking him to do, because he never looked even remotely close to this bad last season. Yeah. And Dangle going back to your Mitch comment, I was thinking about that too, to be honest, I thought Mitch actually looked better. He looked more poised in the quarterback at the quarterback position in the pocket. I'm just not seeing that with fields. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the adjustment with his foot and having to, you know, switch the way that he's dropping back, but I just see it. it, Tell me if I'm wrong. It looks slow. It kind of looks sloppy. I mean, he at times, and I will say at times the protection does break down, but for the most part, I think he's getting decent protection and he's just way too hesitant to throw the ball, of course, but just things feel really sloppy. And I'm thinking back to Mitch's rookie season and even to start the 2018 season when he was under a new offense and all that, he just looked more poised at the quarterback position. And that scares me because we all know Mitch is a very generous middle of the road quarterback at this point. What's Fields going to do? Justin looks like a quarterback who knows his coaching staff doesn't believe in him. And I, again, I don't know if that's 100% the case, but it's, it that's looks like it looks a comp. Like. It, that's what it looks like. It looks like a confidence thing. Um, it doesn't look like he's out there playing. It, it looks like he's out there thinking of what he's supposed to do. And it, it just doesn't look like he's playing with confidence right now at all. Yeah. Does Justin Fields have enough weapons? I mean, right now, probably not because the guys are injured. Valus Jones hasn't sniffed the football field in weeks. And Nikhil Harry could return after next week. And then Byron Pringle goes down as well. And we, we see the loss to David Montgomery this week. And I mean, yeah, it's great. Well, I know we'll get to this. Khalil, Khalil Herbert had an incredible game on the ground, but losing Montgomery, you also lose a guy as a good pass protector, as somebody who can catch passes out of the backfield. So, look, we know it was questionable when guys were healthy no matter what, but they're already behind the eight ball with like three of those big injuries. And when you only have Equinemia St. Brown, Darnell Mooney, Dante Pettis, and Cole Komet out there, it's not good enough. I think about it a little bit like this. I, I play a little bit of golf. I'm not very good at golf. I've always said that if it ever got to the point where my golf game was being inhibited by my clubs, then I would get new clubs. I don't think we're at a point where we're looking at a highly efficient offense that is absolutely on point so that we can look at it and say, you know what, we've got everything we need in place here, except we don't have a a dynamic number one, or we don't have a pass catching tight end. It it starts to be a little bit of a a chicken or the egg type of thing. How how do we know what commit? I mean, we think that we've seen commit and we've seen Mooney, have some production. We've seen Montgomery have some production. I mean, I've been on record as saying, no, I don't think we have a prolific touchdown scoring dynamic offensive weapon on the field. But right now that feels like a a, a symptom of a problem that's kind of down the list until we get all the other crap together, even a little bit. And then maybe we can take a look at it and say, oh man, this offense is completely clicking. If we just had fill in the blank. I, I want to throw this question to Sheldon. Do you still, are you still out completely on Cole Komet 
Because I counted four times where that dude was not just open, he was wide open. And Justin Fields threw an interception, completely missed him. He did have the one great throw to him. And you have to give full credit where credit is due. But I'm starting to think it's not Cole Komet, it's Justin Fields. Minus the one drop that Cole Komet had last week. Yeah, so you got to look at it, I think, the same way I looked at Mitch. I tried to take out the things that I thought were working against him that were outside of his control, like the play calling um, and the scheme and Nagy and all that. And just look at when he could control the things he could control, how was Mitch? And that's why I didn't think that it, it was just Nagy. Like I, for me, Mitch was bad and I wanted to see if Nagy was also bad. But when I kind of controlled for the things that, that were working against Mitch, I still felt like Mitch was bad. And I still kind of feel that way about Komet. Even if you take away those missed opportunities, when he is doing the things that he's supposed to be doing, I just don't see it from him. I, I see him struggling to block. I, I see him still having problems with drops. I don't see him as a fluid route runner. I don't see him getting a whole lot of separation when he's not schemed open. Um, so I don't know. I think his production could certainly be higher if Justin was better, of course. But I still think a lot of the things that I didn't like about the pick um, and about uh, and things that I've seen from Komet the first couple of years that I haven't been thrilled about, I'm still seeing. Um, but his production could certainly be a lot higher if if Fields was hitting some of the open passes. And and to answer your original question, do we do, does he have enough weapons? I think the the you have to put it in the context of enough weapons for what? Enough weapons to compete for the playoffs or Super Bowl? Probably not. But he's got enough weapons to be. Uh, to help him develop. And I think it kind of goes to what you said, Jack, like they're not just a piece away, um, but he's got enough around him that, that he should be able to get better and progress each week. And, and like I said, there are plays all over the field that he just needs to make. Now he just needs to make the right read at this point and then complete the throw. Um, so I think he's got more than enough weapons to do what this season is in, was intended to do, which is sort of be a reset year and help him grow and get into a position that going into next season, you feel good about him as the, the future quarterback. Um, and we're just not seeing it at the moment. Gentlemen, it is time for the outhouse and the penthouse. The outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by Jeff Cadwallader. Are you thinking about buying or selling a home in the Chicagoland area? If you are, there's really only one person you should be talking to, and that's our guy, Jeff Cadwallader with At Properties. Jeff knows you need experience when it matters most, and he's making it happen for his buyers. He's using proven tactics to help his buyers get the contracts. It's not about paying the highest price either. Contact Jeff today to learn more. Visit GenevaJeff.com or give him a call or a text at 630-254-4734. If you do talk to Jeff, let him know that the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say hello. Now, boys, I want to go outhouse, penthouse first because this one feels like a loss, but it is in fact a win. So we're going to go penthouse, outhouse first. Now, gentlemen, I do want to just point out one thing. You're picking a player or a play or a coach, not an entire side of the football looking your way. Brendan Chagru, I love you very much. Please, please, please stick to, <laughs> please stick to a single player or two at absolute most uh, for this. Brendan, since I was a jerk to you, I'm going to go ahead and be nice right here. Brendan, you're going to get to go first. 
then Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and I will finish it up. Let's go Penthouse, boys. I don't even want to give mine in. I'm offended. I'll take the easy money here, and I'll say Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert was unreal today, especially basically doing solo duty without David Montgomery when he went down. 20 carries, 157 yards. He rattled off that 52-yard run, I believe it was, to start the second half, almost eight yards a carry. I mean, that's that's two weeks in a row that Bears running backs have just annihilated a team's run defense. And I think it's really impressive specifically for Herbert because at that point we started to see that the Bears were not going to be passing the ball. And they knew, everybody knew the Bears were going to run it with Khalil Herbert. And they just kept doing it and doing it over and over. And they had success with it there was no stopping him. So Khalil Herbert easily in the penthouse today. It's a great choice. The thing, the fact that we have two downhill bruising running backs with a little bit of elusiveness, that's a real plus. Well, if Herbert was easy money, I think it's probably like one a and one B because row Quan freaking Smith, everybody. Are you kidding me? Dude had 16 tackles. He had six solo tackles, two tackles for loss. He had a pass deflection and he had an interception. And oh man, sometimes Pierce made one spin or one cutback too many. And Roquan absolutely thumped him. So th- that was really fun. We we get we have grown accustomed, I think, for the most part, watching that guy run sideline to sideline, be physical, have a nose for the football, and be on an in on every play and all the subterfuge that happened preseason. Maybe we took our eye off the ball a little bit. Boy, did that guy show up to play today. So I've been a little chatty tonight, so I'm going to keep mine short and sweet. And my uh, penthouse is going to go to Kendall Vildor, who has been much maligned. Um, I thought he he looked like he may have struggled a little bit at the beginning of the game. And and I'll admit I was going, oh, my gosh, here we go again. Uh, This is going to be a long afternoon. And he bounced back really well. And I thought he was great in coverage. Um, May not show up on the stat sheet. Didn't get the interception like like Eddie did. uh, But I just thought he was really sticky today and was good in coverage after maybe a couple of hiccups at the beginning of the game. So um, my penthouse goes to Kendall Vildor. Honorable mention goes to Cole Komet leading receiving with uh, two receptions for 40 yards. I thought he played a good game, but Justin didn't get him the ball. Moving past that, Eddie Jackson, you guys, I think, have already said it before, and I haven't said it yet. So, Eddie Jackson, I'm sorry. Uh, We talked a lot of trash about you, but hearing some of the things that you went through, the one that really got me is that his wife went through two miscarriages, and my wife went through one. And that was like the single hardest thing of my entire life. I couldn't function as a human being when it happened. It, I mean, guys, I, football aside, sorry, that's um, like I, I can't, I cannot. It's hard stuff, man. It's real. It's, it's real life. I get it. So, you know, I'm just trying to say to, to Eddie, man, I just, uh, from, from man to man, I don't know he's never going to hear a single word that I have to say, but just from one, one human being to another, man, my, my heart goes out to you. And I just, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm much more of an Eddie Jackson fan this season than I thought that I would be, uh, just knowing some of the things that he went through and where, where he's playing right now, having two interceptions on the season. I'm, I'm really, ha- I'm really happy and I hope he balls out for the rest of the season. It's just one, it's just one of those reminders that you really don't know what somebody's going through. And I think it's just a a helpful reminder when 
criticize, you know, we, we criticize people. We, we critique people. It's just, yeah, it's sometimes real life. You realize that much things are much bigger than sports. So, yeah. He's clearly playing better and good for him. He was out of position in previous years and asked to do too much and going through personal problems. I will just say, and I, I think I had a bit a sort of an apology too, because I was very critical of his play. I do think we distinguish between play on the field and personal attacks. I mean, hell, if we would have known that he was going through that stuff and then we were still absolutely butchering him, that's just a complete chotch move. And that's something that we would never do. It's clear why he was playing so poorly. Obviously that contributed. And like you said, right. And, and I've gone through it too. It is devastating. All that hopefulness just gets dashed. So man, I just, my heart goes out to him for the things that he's endured and good for him for getting another pick today. It was awesome. Jenna, let's go around to the outhouse. I think there's a lot to hit in the outhouse for this one. We're going to reverse the order that we just went. So for the, Outhouse, let's go. Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, Brennan Chagru, and I will finish it up. Outhouse, boys. All of it. Everything. The entire organization. Uh, no. You can't do that. I can't do that. I can't <laughs> you do the that. Rules? There were rules. <laughs> there were rules. You got to follow It's okay, rules. Sheldon. You can do it. I don't care. <laughs> um, no, I to, to not get all Bob from Schaumburg right now, um, it, you know, it's I'm going to put it on uh, the coaching staff and their mismanagement so far, in my opinion of Justin Fields through three games. Uh, again, we already talked about it. We talked about the, the monsoon game. We talked about the Packers game, but today really, you really demonstrated that there is a lack of trust in Justin Fields and shame on you. If you're going to go through this season, not giving him an honest shot, because I don't think there's a worse case scenario for the bears than limping along this season, not really finding out what you have in Justin Fields and then having to make a decision at the end of the year about whether to move on from him. And, um, you know, you've got an Uber talent behind center. The kid can, can do things physically that most quarterbacks in the league can't do. And you guys are heralded as great teachers. And so far you've shown in most aspects of this team that you are great teachers. So figure it out and get this guy to where he needs to be, to where he should be. Um, But throwing the ball as few times as you have this season, not allowing him to throw in critical situations, having him throw on uh, or run the ball on third and six and third and 17 and third and 10, all in critical spots. You're not doing anything to help his development or his growth. You're, you're doing the opposite. You're stunting his growth. If he gets out there and he throws 30 interceptions this year, so be it. But that will allow you to make that determination at the end of the season and, and, and make that honest evaluation as to whether or not he can be the quarterback go forward. Um, but if you're not going to allow him to go through those growing pains and to learn where to go with the football, like he's not going to learn uh, in practice, he's not going to learn just watching film. He's going to learn through game reps. And so you need to take the training wheels off. You need to give him an honest shot uh, to develop and to see the things he needs to see on the football field to start making the plays that you want him to make. And so you guys are, are squarely in the outhouse this, this week. And uh, shame on you if you don't fix it in the future, because you're doing this entire organization a disservice. For my outhouse, I'm gonna I'm gonna push the envelope because I'm gonna go returners. Hopefully that's okay, Artie. 
And I just feel like the returners were incredibly poor. I think you look at uh, both Ebner and Pettis. Uh, Ebner had three kick returns for 52 yards, which was a 17.3 yard average. And Pettis had two returns uh, for one yard. He also allowed a punt to bounce in front of him, which what the actual hell is going on? You don't let it bounce, bro. It's hard to catch a punt, granted, and especially in Soldier Field. But it was like two or three feet in front of him. So that was super weird. And then when it comes to Ebner, I, I don't know. Like, think of all the greatest kick returners you've ever seen. I mean, I guess we take Patterson at most recent Bears history. It is like they're shot out of a cannon. They take one cut, maybe, and then they are down the field. Why all of a sudden he has started to try to pick a spot? It drives me absolutely crazy, but it just doesn't work. If you're going to return it from the two or one yard deep in the end zone, then you better freaking get on your horse, run as fast as you can, and then make a cut. Did anybody else see Bears players trying to dribble the ball today? Darnell Mooney, Dante Pettis. Am I crazy? It was weird. See Red, bowl season. It's coming soon. (laughs) Uh, I really want to say pretty much Justin Fields' head, arms, pretty much everything but his legs um, because his legs were awesome. But I think we've talked enough about that. So just to be different, I am going to say Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney does not look good. And shame on me and shame on, I guess, everybody else for thinking he'd at least be a high-end wide receiver too because we talk about progression. He progressed from his rookie season to last season. He had the burden of being a number one wide receiver to be the guy in those clutch situations, and here he is dropping passes. I mean, he was easily the most targeted bear today with six targets. He only had two catches, 23 yards. He still – and sadly, that's his best game of the year, and it's week three. But just the, the drops, the the miscommunications with fields, and this we we could even be a little retrospective and go back to last week's game against the Packers when it seems neither guy were on the same page when it comes to chemistry. I mean, save me the Chipotle ads, save me, you know, all the grinding. And I know Mooney's out there at Soldier Field two hours after the game using the jugs machine, trying to catch passes. That's all great. But you know what? He's not running routes against Jugs Machines or anything like that. He's the Jugs Machine is not playing quarterback. I need him specifically as the top option for the wide receivers to get it in gear, stop dropping passes. And if you want to be a number one, even for a number one for this team, be that guy because you're getting outpaced by people, man. Honorable mention, Kyler Gordon sucks. But my real one is whoever on this coaching staff, so whether it be Getze or the offensive line, decides that Lucas Patrick should be playing guard, Sam Mustafer should be playing center, and Tevin Jenkins should somehow be on the sideline for any point. I don't understand offensive line nearly as well as other people do, so I asked the people that do know, and they agree it doesn't make any sense. Tevin Jenkins might be your best offensive lineman at guard right now, and he's just, he's not out there enough. They, 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 there was some conversation going back and forth about how Lucas Patrick might be better in pass, uh, pass passing situations. <laughs> no, no, he, he let up awful sacks. He's, he's not, he's not a guard. He might not be good right now. Oh, Ryan, real quick. Uh, uh, geez, I'm sorry. I, I botched the snap. I botched the delivery right there, right <laughs> out of the gate. I'm so sorry. Um, forgot what I was going to say about Sam Mustafer, so I'll just leave it at that. Has there been a 
game where Sam Mustafer hasn't <laughs> effed up a snap? No shit. Like, seriously, has there been a game in his entire career where he hasn't screwed up a snap? Uh, honest just, to God, yeah, like, he just every, snaps it into his own taint. Like, I know, seriously, your taint. Like, <laughs> get your ass up. You've been doing this for how many years, man? It's Would you so just bad. get like a giant dump truck in the offseason? You don't know where to put it. So bad. Just I'm so just, tired of Mustafer. I don't, he, he, he sucks. Get the hell off the field. I'm if, tired if, of it. If Lucas Patrick's hand wasn't in a club, he's got to be able to snap the ball better than that kid can. I, I please, it's time for him to go. Tevin Jenkins is a right guard, and he's, I, I, again, he might be one of their best offensive linemen right now, especially with a team that loves to run the ball the way that this team loves to run the ball. I, I don't know what we're doing. Tevin Jenkins is just probably sitting there after all the crap he's gone through. And he's just like, what the hell do I have to do to actually just stick in the starting offensive line for an entire game? I've been in camp. I've had, you know, dealt with injuries. I've dealt with trade rumors. I've dealt with all this crap. It just continues. He's that kid that just gets milk poured on him every single lunch period. Gentlemen, I've got some true false statements for you, two of which you've already heard, but a lot has happened over one week's time. So this one, I think, gentlemen, let's try to keep our thoughts brief just because I think we've already kind of talked about this one a little bit. But this Bears coaching staff trusts Justin Fields. Let's go, Jack, Brendan, Patrick, and I will finish it up. They do not. As previously mentioned, uh, you know, running the ball on third and six uh, was deep in our territory is a a clear sign of it. Uh, Running a running back screen uh, when you needed 16 yards uh, was a a clear sign of it. Uh, Not trying to to do anything with your three timeouts and the minute plus that was on the field at the end of the half was a clear sign of it. Uh, Maybe Getsy doesn't have, you know, confidence in himself. Uh, and so that's like seeping into Justin Fields. There's just not a lot of confidence seemingly going around on the offensive side of the ball between the OC and the quarterback right now. Yeah, today they didn't. I mean, I don't know if that's going to continue, but just for today, when you saw those two interceptions, those bad interceptions when you're actually trying to air it out and throw it deep, I think like Justin Fields maybe threw it deep three times and he was intercepted twice. I mean, that is... And once that happens, they're clearly reining Benton back in, run play, run play, screen play, and then it takes a long time for him to actually throw the ball downfield again. I don't know if those are just certain plays that are called where or Fields is you know, taking the easier option there, but from the looks of it, it, does, it looks like they don't trust him right now. Yeah, I mentioned it earlier. Um, some of the things you could look at in isolation and one one um, individually, they're not a big deal, right? Like the reports that they didn't trust him at the beginning of the season, the lack of weapons they put around him, the, the, the lack of spending and free agency. Then you get the report from Benjamin Albright. I know folks saw that a few weeks back that this current regime actually reached out to Seattle about uh, Russell Wilson before he was ultimately traded. And then you see some of the play calling. It's like, you take any one of those things by themselves, you can understand or explain them away. But when you take them all together, like we like to say in this pod, where there's smoke, guys, there's probably some fire. Um, and all for all the reasons Jack mentioned uh, about the game plan today, if it wasn't abundantly clear that they didn't trust Justin Fields after that, that game, 
Um, I don't know what y'all are looking at. They they call the game like they didn't trust him. They don't need to protect protect Justin Fields' confidence. That guy is one of the most confident players you'll ever see. So uh, I don't. There's no other explanation for why they called the game that they called today, unless they just don't have faith or trust in his abilities at the moment. They don't, and you guys have already talked about it. It's just really frustrating. I want to see what this kid can do. Let him throw it. Just just please give him a shot. See what he can do. All right, gentlemen. Khalil Herbert, I'm going to change this one up just a little bit from last week. Khalil Herbert is a better fit for this offense. For this one, let's go Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Shagrew, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. I wish Logan Bradley was here to talk about how much he hates Dave Montgomery. Um, But, (laughs) you know, it's so tough because if you would ask me this question last week, I would have said, yes, he absolutely is true. But then Montgomery has that bounce back game where he was doing the things that Herbert did uh, in the first game. He was hitting the hole. He was going where the play led him. He was not doing his little toe tap behind the line of scrimmage, waiting for things to develop. He was more aggressive. Uh, but then you saw a lot of that out of Herbert again today. So um, it's very early, Jack, like you said earlier, small sample size. But if you're if you're looking at the three games thus far, Khalil Herbert has been the more productive in the time that he's had um, in this offense than Dave Montgomery. With that said, like having those two guys in the backfield that you can go to on and off is a tremendous asset. So I hope Montgomery comes back. Um, but I I'll have to say true now, Herbert seems to be the better fit because he does the most with the time that he gets, um, you know, when he's in. Through or Trolls. Yeah, either one, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) whatever you want to say. I I don't think it's it's weird. I kind of I'm in the middle because I really do think that the Bears have a very good situation with their backfield where they have two very capable runners with David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. Last week, Montgomery got it done. This week, Herbert got it done. Now, if Montgomery doesn't go down with an injury, does Khalil Herbert get the same opportunities? I don't know. Does he have the same production? Probably not. But I think the Bears just are in a very good situation where they can plug and play both guys, depending on who is the hot hand, who's running better against the defensive line. Last week we saw it was Montgomery. It could be a different guy this week with Herbert. Hopefully Montgomery is okay and we can get both guys in there to wear down the defensive line. But I just think the Bears are in a really fortunate situation. So I, I can't say true or false. I just say like both are good fits because they're no, no, I don't, don't you do that shells. I see you. I see you making those symbols. No, right, I, I was like, a, it, was both a, it was a heart. Sorry. Did that? Yeah, you turned upside down. Yeah. It was, a, it was an upside down heart. Yeah. <laughs> you upside down heart him. I don't even know what that means. Uh, I'm going to say false. Cause they're both great fits. I guess I'm sort of spending a little bit of what, um, you know, Brendan just said, they have two great running backs and they both seem to fit really well. And they both have shown that they can produce. I think of, you know, like in Jacksonville, wow. One again today, they're, they're doing it with uh, ATN and, and Robinson, or I don't know. There, there's other examples where when it works, it works really well. And oftentimes we see that having two running backs in the NFL is a huge advantage. And here's an instance of it. If nothing else, when it look, when you look at the Bears' offense, they can run the ball and they've proven that the last two weeks. We always laud San Francisco for plug and play running backs. I don't know. Maybe that's what we've got. True, but they're both freaking awesome. And I love watching them run the football. Gentlemen, this one, ooh, let's see how this goes. Luke Getze will 
stay the offensive coordinator for all 17 games for the Chicago Bears this season. Let's go Jack Wright, Brandon Shagru, Patrick Sheldon, and I will finish it up. True for a number of reasons. One, we've seen that the Bears just as an organization are pretty slow to change really on anything and give folks a lot of time to fire themselves if that ends up being the case, which is usually the case. Sadly, in Chicago, small sample size, lots of games left. He's new. He's still learning. They've shown an ability to pivot, shift, and adjust. Still give him a chance. Uh, He's going to be the OSC the whole season. Barring some weird medical situation, uh, true, absolutely. I mean, Terry Shea got 16 games in 2004, and that guy was a dumpster fire. I mean, geez. (laughs) John Shoup. John Shoup, Ron Turner basically ran this offense and that dude got an extension. He was here for like five, six seasons with that, just a really good rushing offense and terrible quarterback and just a terrible passing scheme. Um, I don't think Luke Getzey has a lot of things to clean up. I think I, I'm still very skeptical of the rhythm that he calls plays in, but you cannot deny that this rushing offense is insanely good. And like I said before, when you know that your quarterback's struggling and you're still able to rally off runs like eight, 10 yards a a clip, I mean, that's really good. And I think this offensive line is playing better with run blocking. And that's kind of the background Luke Getze had coming in here. We knew this was going to be his MO. He needs to improve at the passing game, but I don't see any way he's out. I I don't even know if he's out next year, to be honest, at this point. I just don't know. I, I feel like he might have a long leash. Uh, but no, he's he's going to stay for all 17 games. Do you guys remember those four minutes uh, where we, we were worried that maybe Getsy wouldn't be here next year because he would be a head coach? Uh, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Those are great. Those are great, weren't they? Those were a really fun four minutes. Um, I'm going to say true. He's going to be the offensive coordinator the whole season. Uh, and it goes back a little bit to what we talked about earlier. Like if if the staff doesn't necessarily believe in Justin Fields, they're not going to necessarily hold Luke Getzey accountable for his failures. Right. And, and like what you said, Brendan, otherwise the offense looks like it's, it's good. Um, and there looks like, it looks like there are opportunities in the passing game. It just, they're not capitalizing on them. So schematically uh, you could argue that what Luke Getzey's doing is working. It's just his quarterback isn't capitalizing on the open receivers. Um, there are things that I don't like about the positions that they're putting them in how they're using them and their reluctance to let him open it up. But just schematically, like there are opportunities and plays to be made in the field each week. They're just, we're just not making them. So, um, I don't think that they're going to hang that on Luke Getzey. And like you said, Jack, the bears are just notoriously slow to make any moves. So, um, I think true. He's here for sure. All season real quick before Dangle gets to his answer. Can we just change up the the fields like rollouts, like play action? Because it's two weeks now when Getzi's called those that the defense has snuffed it out by keeping a guy in and it just fails every time. We need to change that up. It's not working. They seem to be naked boots, which I, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that's the best idea to leave a defensive end free every time. It's not working to your point. Yeah. Just for fun, I'm going to say false. Uh, I think that they've already shown that they have pressure on the outside, keeping Justin Fields inside the pocket. And eventually they're going to keep pressure on the outside and also stack the box so that the bears can't run. And then eventually 
this this offense is going to implode. You can, this this is not sustainable. At least I just don't think that it is. And I don't. I think someone's going to be the scapegoat. I think it's going to be Luke Getze. Gentlemen, I've got two more for you. This team will win more than six games this season. Let's go, Brendan, Patrick, Jack, and I will finish it up. All right, I'm going to take a really optimistic answer, and I'll say true for the sheer fact that they've already won two games already by looking like just crap with half their offense. They can barely pass the ball, and they're 2-1 and one already. I mean, that's that's a third of the way there, and we're through three games. The good news, and I was actually going to get to this point, so this is, I think, a good opportunity. The good news with this team, and I think we're having hope in this coaching staff that they can get things turned around and finally find a rhythm. We'll see. But you've banked two wins already, and we're not talking about playoffs here, but if you at least want to see wins and see progression in that area, I, I think it's really favorable that this team can only pretty much go up in a lot of areas and they're already two and one. So I'm banking on the fact, I know they have a brutal December schedule. We don't know what the rest of the NFL is going to look like in two, three months time, but with two wins already in the bank, a lot of improvement that can happen. And I think will happen in a number of areas. I will say true. I'm going to say true because I've got a, uh, reasonable um, ticket on them to hit one and six wins. So I'm, I can't go against my own bet guys, uh, but they've got a number of winnable games on the schedule. Like you said, Brennan, if they could get anything out of their, their passing offense. Um, I mean, the giants, the commanders, uh, the Patriots are maybe going to be without Mac Jones for that game. We don't know how long he's going to be out for with his ankle injury. Dak Prescott's probably not going to be back for the October 30th game against the Cowboys. The Falcons, the Jets are still on the schedule. Um, they may surprise and sneak one out that they shouldn't. You know, they, there's always a game in there that they win that they absolutely shouldn't win. A um, couple against the Lions who have admittedly looked better offensively, but uh, they're still the Lions, and at some point they're going to come back down to earth when they start um, or when they, you know, stop winning, uh, not winning games. And I think that's going to, you know, they can only play so hard for so long before they just throwing the towel. Um, so I think they're, I think they're going to get to more than six wins. Uh, maybe just one more, but I think they can do it. Boy, this is a tough one, isn't it? Like that's a perfect number that you chose RD. I, I had them at eight and nine overall, but now I'm wondering if, you know, I had them splitting with Detroit. I don't know if they can take one from Detroit. Detroit looks pretty freaking good to me. You're right. Shells. They've got that span there where they go Detroit, Atlanta, and then the Jets, and I had win, win, win with at five. You know what? As I'm thinking about it right now, sadly, I'm going to say false. I don't think they're going to get there. Uh, I think some of the wins that I had originally planned for them uh, might be in question. I mean, even we've got the Giants next week. Uh, Giants have looked better than expected under Dable, so I'm going to say false. Is Saquon Barkley going to have 400 yards rushing against the Bears or 502 rushing yards against the Bears? Yeah, they look better today, but that dude is just, he's a beast right now. Sheldon, I want to put this out here. Uh, so far, we have been picking the games on the pregame pod and our records right now. So Brendan, Jack Wright, and Logan are all one and two. I'm two and one and Sheldon, you are three and oh. So I want to agree with you, uh, but I just, I don't see them winning six games. Not the way that this this team is running. I, again, I don't think this is sustainable, so I'm saying that's false. Last one, gentlemen, and I think I know how we're going to answer this one, but this is one that needs to be asked. It is thrown out there everywhere on Twitter, so that's where I want to put out this last true-false statement. 
Justin Fields is a bust. Let's go. Brendan, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and I will finish it up. False. Uh, I don't know. He's He hasn't completed two years yet. I mean, if we – if it's so hard to be – a quarterback, I guess, in this day in social media, in this day and age, when every single person has a take and reaction. And I know the word patience has been thrown around so many times, but he is only in his 15th start. You, we really want to write somebody off like that. I mean, there are plenty of examples where guys have struggled, even at this point, guys that are actually playing really well. And I know we went through some of the guys like Josh Allen, Go back further, Drew Brees, I mean, Tua. Those are just a few names off the top of my head, but I don't want to call somebody a bust after just 15 games. I don't even know if I feel comfortable definitively calling them a bust or a savior or something like that, if you want to use that word, after two seasons. You just feel better about the direction that's going. I said at the beginning of the show, I would reserve judgment on how I feel about him by the end of season two, but even then, Good or bad, I will not say he's a bust or he's a savior. It's just too soon to say something like that. If the statement was Justin Fields was a bust today, true. Overall, Justin Fields, a bust, false. And I think if the the other intangibles, like his size, his strength, his arm, uh, you know, his uh, maneuverability, uh, his secondary plays, if all of that was bad too, then we'd be like, oh yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is bad, but, but there's a chance still that we're going to look back a year from now at this as a part of his development and go, boy, that guy, he just lacked so much confidence, didn't he? But now he's got it. And I, I think that's completely viable. I think there's a chance that we see him a year from now being a much different, more confident quarterback, you know, see Trevor Lawrence, as a, for instance, see hurts as a, for instance, false, absolutely not. And like I said, anybody who's drawing definitive conclusions about Justin Fields at this point is crazy. You couldn't draw a conclusion about a, a quarterback who started 15 games all under the same head coach and offensive coordinator. That's not even a full season. Like you said, Brendan, 15 games under two different coaches and two different schemes. Um, there are, there are quarterbacks, you know, you, even if you had two full seasons under the same head coach, it'd be tough to definitively call them a bust after such a short period of time. It just takes some guys a little bit longer to, to um, you know, to realize their talent, but uh, no, after 15 games, absolutely not. Quarterback is an extremely hard position. Guys, look at how Joe Burrow struggling this year. Look at how he came out gangbusters last season. And this year I was just looking it up three touchdowns, four interceptions for a QBR of 46.7. It's a really tough position. Um, so not calling Joe Burrow a bust by any means. I'm just pointing out that like things can turn on a dime. Uh, you can go from being on the top of the world to, you know, people questioning whether, um, you know, whether they, they maybe jump to conclusions. Uh, but it's, it's just a tough position to play. And I, I think you'd be crazy to write him off at this point, the end of the season, he's still playing like this. Like I said, um, we can have that conversation, but not yet. False. It's way too soon, but this game really started to shake my confidence in him and his future with this football team. Wait, I have to just say this. I just checked Twitter. I have two mentions literally as I'm checking in the last two minutes, some guy about fields. It's not going to, so let's move on from him. Another guy. It's time to move on. He isn't the guy. He was never going to be the guy. 
just in real time as we're recording about talking about this. This is Bears fans, man. So many those people, people had their out. minds made up before I, they even, you know, yeah. after the draft. Those those are the people that want Fields to fail. It's too soon, but you, I, the, I want to go back to this. People that have defend like that think that he can do no wrong and can't look at like those two interceptions today and put blame on Justin Fields where it belongs. Like I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man, but. Like you've got to try to be objective about this thing. And I get like being a bears fan, but he's not playing well right now. Doesn't mean he's can't play well in the future, but to say he's playing well now and it's everything else other than Justin Fields, man, I, I, I don't know what to tell you about that. He he's not playing well right now. Um, but I, what I do think is fair is the argument that, you know, for four years, we heard a number of people say it was, everybody else's fault, but Mitch Trubisky, it was, his, he didn't have talent at wide receiver. They didn't get enough separation. It was Matt Nagy. It was the play calling. It was this, it was that it was the offensive line. People bent over backwards, like the effing matrix to make excuses for Mitch as to why it wasn't his fault. So I do think it's fair for people to say, you know, there are a lot of things that are working um, against him at the moment that he has to overcome, give him some time. But you can also say, like we said last week, he just didn't have a good game. He admitted it himself after the game he played like crap so you can have those two thoughts simultaneously in your head to to go back to a phrase that you used at the beginning of the show jack you can still think he could be the guy and still be positive and bullish about him but admit that he's just not playing well at the moment absolutely all right gentlemen it's time to anything that you missed and if we didn't miss anything go ahead and pass gentlemen so we make sure that we get this thing rolling let's go brendan jack sheldon and i will finish it up Last thing that I noted, and this kind of goes along with the offensive game plan, but are we really not going to talk about what happened at the first half with Matt Eberflus saving all three timeouts, not having the faith to go and try and score points? You had a minute and four seconds left when you got the ball with three timeouts. Yes, you had to go 90 yards for a touchdown, but you could have gotten yourself into field goal range. You didn't even try, and you just tucked your tail in between your legs and went to the locker room at home. The Bears fans booed him, and I thought he deserved to be booed. I don't know if that was, again, A, Matt Eberflus also being with Luke Getze, maybe not having faith in Justin Fields, but I just was very, very disappointed to not see anyone go for anything like that. And you know what? Hopefully he uses those timeouts later on. I think that's nice. Throw a few deep outs. Use your timeouts. Santos is ice in the veins, even in Soldier Field, in that wind. Give him a shot to kick a field goal. I'm going to pass. I'm also going to pass. I think we've covered just about everything uh, there is to cover. Uh, but I agree with you, Brennan. Matt Eberflus, I have a word for you, but I cannot say it on this podcast. You need to... Upside uh, down heart. Marbles. You need to have some marbles. All right, Jack, we missed your question. What do you got for us this week, buddy? So I'm curious so far this season or in the last you know few months or so, guys, what's a, a prediction or a take that you had that just you 100% nailed? You want to do a little humble bragging or not so humble bragging probably for you, Shells? Or what is one where you're like, oh, my dear, I just 100% whiffed on that one. Uh, we'll go Shells, we'll go Brendan, then RD, and I'll follow it up. Is it either or Jack, or do you want one of each? You can do both or one, your choice. Okay. 
Um, well, I, the one I missed on, I, I thought Justin Fields would look a lot better in this offense through three weeks. So, um, I'll own that one. I, I definitely thought he'd be a lot better. So I, uh, catastrophically missed on that, but, um, Dangle already pointed out I'm undefeated on the record prediction. I absolutely nailed that. So no reason I can't go 17 and oh, I fully expect to. Um, but, uh, that's probably one that I nailed. Maybe you'll get an Amazon gift card out of it, Shells. <laughs> Your immodesty is overwhelming. You have no no hubris at all. Yankee fans usually don't, Jack. We're accustomed to winning and being on top of the world. Right, it's part and parcel with being a Yankee fan. (laughs) What do you got, Brennan? All right, so I'm going to take it national because I think we talked enough Bears. Uh, For the take that I got right, I was very much on the Jacksonville Jaguars train leaving the station. I think Doug Peterson is a much better coach than he's getting credit for. The Urban Meyer situation was crap. And look at this. They're two and one. And they just beat the crap out of the Chargers. Even with an injured Justin Herbert, they look good. And Trevor Lawrence looks really good in that offense too. So I wish our second year quarterback did. But hey, Jacksonville looks good. And I was happy to be right on that. But um, I put a, not a sizable bet, but a bet down that the Las Vegas Raiders would win the Super Bowl. They were my dark horse. I thought they had good odds. And uh, they are the only 0-3 oh team in the league. Oh, boy. So um, not feeling great about that one right now, guys. I thought maybe Josh McDaniels would be a little better this time through. I figured he got his you-know-what together. They had a good offense with Derek Carr. You bring in Devontae Adams. You retool your defense. The AFC West was going to beat up on each other, and now they're 0-3. It's not pretty. Artie, what do you got? So I'm just going to go with, uh, well, good takes. Uh, I, I knew that the Bears offense was going to be trash and they didn't have enough wide receivers. And at this point, it sure looks like that is correct. The bad, bad, bad takes. I thought Tua and the Dolphins were going to be a dumpster fire. They're 3-0 and right now. I also thought that the Giants were going to be terrible and they are 2-0 and right now with a good chance to win. Uh, so, yeah, not not so great on that. We're all humbled. We're humbled by this game. I, if you remember in our uh, coach's draft, I went to the table for a guy named Nathaniel Hackett. And oh, 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 oh. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, oh. You should have just let that one you ride. You didn't have to bring that back up, man. Is, is he, you did not have to bring make that it? back up. Is he going to make it through 17 he, games? He, he may, may not make I mean, it through tonight. Yeah, right. There's a lot of games left. I don't, you know, maybe, but wow. Wow. Yeah. I guess that was, I think I missed that one. And then, and this is the goal of this is not to point out where other people missed, but Brendan, I was in on James Robinson drafted him in several leagues. He has been incredibly good in that one, two punch in Jacksonville. You were right to doubt, especially with the Achilles and the escalation of uh, ATN, but I, James Robinson has been really good and he's been great on my fantasy team and great for the Jacksonville Jaguars so far. Oh yeah. No, I, I'm not doubting that. I was just saying sell high because I don't know if that split's going to keep up. I think he's been good. Like, and okay. I just don't know how long that's going to be sustainable. So that's what I meant by that. Okay. That, yeah. And that might be a great play actually that you're absolutely right. Gentlemen, it's time to get out of here. It's time to give shout outs for the week for shout outs. Let's go Jack, Patrick Sheldon, Brennan Chagrew, and I will finish it up. Shout outs, boys. Well, listen, we have got to shout out our guy, Logan Bradley. First of all, I mean, he's hitting on all cylinders, really. He first, he won uh, the Fantasy Baseball League 
uh, that I commish. Uh, I believe he might've won it two out of the last three years. Dude is an excellent fantasy baseball player. Everybody hates fantasy baseball except Logan and me. We love it and good for him for winning it. And I hope, hope it's okay that I've said this. We could cut it. If not, he is such a good dude, man. He said I, he would like to donate a part of his winnings to my dad's charity of choice. So seriously, I mean, that guy is such a nice guy. He is all class. And then uh, aside from that, as we mentioned earlier, uh, he was all over the Khalil Herbert take. Like that was the take I'm sure he would have chosen if you were here for our, you know, Jack's question. So, so good on him. And then just in general, I mean, let's face it, the guy's crushing the pregame show hosting and he's just an all around really, really good dude. So shout out, shout out to Logan Bradley. We heart you. That's a, a regular heart, the actual right side up heart. Logan, just to clarify. So I, I've got just one this week, and it's, it was such a crazy situation. There are a lot of people who have blocked me on Twitter for damn good reason, and I wonder why they haven't done it before. Um, but this was the first week I've ever been blocked for agreeing with somebody. And so my shout-out goes to Brian Baldinger for blocking me on Twitter for agreeing with your tweet. Uh, I don't understand it. I still don't get the 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 reason behind it, but um, – if you're listening, and I know you're not, I actually agree with your tweet, man. So uh, unblock me because I do enjoy your breakdowns. I debated if I was going to say anything, but I sent him some DMs, plural, and he sent me some DMs back, plural, and he still didn't get it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he didn't like that I agreed with him or he does just doesn't get that I was agreeing with him. Uh, or if he's so entrenched right now, he's not willing to admit that he misread it the first time. He he even said, you just don't get it, buddy. And I was like, I, I don't hey, know buddy, how to do. I don't I don't know what to tell you, Baldy, but you're just you're yeah. you're you're wrong. Like I was using his take as support to argue against the Bears fans who were down on Gordon. So I was like actually using his tape and his breakdown to bolster my opinion, because I think highly of Baldy. And I'm like, look at this guy who disagrees with all you bears fans that think you should write off Kyler Gordon already. And he's like, how dare you agree with me? You asshole. I'm blocking you on Twitter forever. Okay. Sheldon, this, this is why, and I'm glad you brought this up. I haven't used it yet, but this is why we made a special graphic just for you. So in case something like this happens again, we could just tweet out that, Hey, this, this is a sarcastic tweet by Patrick Sheldon. I'm waiting for the perfect time to use it. So you just need to become a sarcastic asshole again. And I will bring it out. My friend, I had a consult with our good friend, Cam Ellis. I was like, Cam, are you proud of me? Like, I don't, this is a first for me. Um, so maybe we need to get like some, some sarcastic jackets made or something for the club. There you go. Did you stop uh, being a sarcastic asshole at some point? And I missed that or no. Okay. No, absolutely not. Okay, good. good. Oh, no. You do you. Cause I love yeah. it. Look, if they can't get it, it's on them. I, I can't do anything about that. You, ha- It has been a while, though. I think since Baldy, I haven't seen much, so I've been patiently waiting. I don't want to force it, but, you know, getting impatient, man. Um, all right, so my shout-outs real quickly. Uh, speaking of the sarcasm, uh, I think it was Betsy Tarr who uh, inspired me to create a graphics, so I haven't put it out yet, but shout-out to Betsy. She's a huge supporter. Uh, she's always, you know, retweeting us and uh, – talking with us. So shout out to her and thank you for the support. Um, I'm also going to shout out Elise, I believe it is. Uh, They 
inspired me to create a summoning circle over the weekend to try and get Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet to do something. Uh, it worked in the preseason, and I guess it sort of did something because Cole Komet had 40 yards. So, yay. But other than that, not much happened. But uh, shout out to them for their, uh, again, just something stupid that we just keep doing. It's fun. And then final shout out goes to my brother, Ian. Uh, we had his bachelor party this weekend in Milwaukee and it, it was a great time, but more than that, he's actually becoming a football fan. He's a big soccer fan and he's wanting to watch the bears with me more, which is huge. We've obviously grown up together. He didn't really care about football that much, but he's really taken an interest in it. So he came over today. We watched the game together. It was a great time, but I went, I looked over at him and it just, and I just said, Ian, it's not too late for you. I'm in this. You can find a better team to root for, man. Like the Chiefs, the Bills, something like that. Like, don't put yourself through this crap. Like, don't fall into this trap. And I think it's too late. He's starting to get invested. But it's really cool as a big brother moment. No, I need you to go. I'm, I have to go. It depends on what you say, but I got you. You'll see in a second. So three quick shout outs. Mike Gus. Ryan McHugh, who we've had on the podcast to talk about the offensive line. Uh, it's really good back and forth. Again, I'm not the smartest person out there. Uh, so I, I ask the people that know more than I do, especially when it comes to offensive line. So really good back and forth with those two guys. So thank you, gentlemen, very much. And the 407th Adam, uh, I think this is someone I knew in high school, but I can't tell from your profile picture. And so I think I know you, uh, but we've had some awesome back and forth on Twitter. Adam, can you please confirm that I do, in fact, know who you are? Because I think I do, but I'm not sure. And that would really help me out a lot. So I have to throw one more shout out in now that the show is over. I have to shout out you guys for not dropping an innuendo for me to latch on to the whole show. I didn't have one opportunity to jump in there and and use an innuendo. Brendan came close. He said it was really and I thought you were going there and you said tough, not hard. And I was like, ah, I know better. It was so close. So congratulations, said. guys. We got through a show without me dropping an innuendo. And it's because of you. Folks, we just want to say thank you so much for listening to the Bear Down Chicago podcast. There are so many Bears podcasts that you can listen to. And the fact that you were listening to this one means more than any of us can say. If you do like it, please hit like, hit subscribe, do all that stuff. Share it with a friend. That would really mean a lot to us. For Logan Bradley, Jack Wright, Brendan Shagru, Patrick Sheldon, I'm Ryan Dangle. Folks, thank you so very much for listening. And as always, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>